The following message is brought to you by the CD and Internet Ministry of Rancho Baptist Church. This message by Pastor Matt Shia was recorded during our morning worship service. Pastor Matt is the senior pastor here at Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. We praise the Lord for our elders here at Rancho Baptist Church, but we don't get to hear from them very often. So today, let's join them as each one gives their testimony to the congregation. And some of you may not even be familiar with what an elder is. When you think of the word elder, you think of an old person. But but if you read through the Bible... Uh, elders are typically referring to old people, but uh, in the New Testament, there's a position in the church called elder. And, and uh, Other translations may say overseer or bishop or even pastor. And what these are is simply the leaders of the church. And if you look on the back of your bulletin, we have a list that says Board of Elders and Ministry Oversight. Uh, basically, these are our lay leaders that are we can call elders and uh, the ministry oversight is the areas of ministry that they oversee. And uh, today we're going to get a chance to hear from them. But before we do that, I'm going to share with you some passages of Scripture that speak to this office of elder. So let's consider the words of God. 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 says, It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer or elder, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, peaceable, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation with those outside the church, so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. Titus 1, 4-9 says, To Titus, my true child in the common faith, and peace from God God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would... My eyes are getting bad. That you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Namely, if any man is above reproach, the husband of one wife, having children who believe, not accused of dissipation or rebellion. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, so that he will be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. 1 Peter 5, 1-4 Therefore I exhort the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. In 1 Timothy 5.17, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Well... Many of you may not even know who our elders are, and so we thought it would be good to 
introduce you to them, that they would be able to share their testimonies of how God has been working in their life and uh, share their favorite Bible verse or passage. And so it's uh, going to be a treat today to hear from our elders. And on the order that you see on the back of your bulletin, that's the order they are going to appear. And so at this time, I'm going to ask Brad Braley, the chairman of the elder board, to be first. We need a microphone. Okay. Thank you. Matt, you know that uh, losing your eyesight is one of the qualifications of being an elderly, right? (laughs) Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Well, good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to introduce myself to you this morning. I'm Brad Braley. Beautiful woman in the picture is my wife, Joyce, of, let's see, 29 years, 6 months, 25 days, 13 hours, and 26 seconds. I have it on my iPad. And that strikingly handsome young man is our son, AJ. Both Joyce and I were raised in Christian homes, and I was saved when I was around the age of 6. My sister, who's almost three years older than I am, came to Christ before me, and she decided that I needed to do the same thing. So she shared the gospel with me, and along with my father, helped me to place my faith in Christ as Savior. It was around the time of my mom's birthday. I remember running up to her and saying, Mom, Mom, I'm a Christian. And she said that's the best birthday present she has ever received. I hope that's still the case. While my uh, confession in first grade was genuine, I started to yield my life to the Lord when I was in sixth grade through the fantastic ministry of a youth pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Pasadena, California. He decided to make a project out of me, even though I was uh, too young to be considered part of the junior high youth group at the time. And through a program he called the Summer Family, he gathered some of the kids in the, in, the, uh, in the youth group at church daily during the summer where he taught us the fundamentals of our faith, how to study God's word, what a prayer life is, how to serve the church and the community, how to defend your faith, and how to share it with others. God was providing me at that time a desire to know him more, and my pastor saw it and he nurtured it. Now, Joyce and I have both been involved with music uh, at our churches since we were young. After we met in high school and our relationship grew in college, leading to marriage in 1982, we continued to participate in choirs and ensembles at churches where we lived in uh, Whittier, California. And then when we moved to, to Menifee in 1989, the pastor at our church recommended that we check out Rancho Baptist Church because he knew the pastor at that time, Jim Carpenter. Well, uh, when we came here that first Sunday, uh, we met Dave and Jane only. Dave was serving as the worship director at RBC at the time. And Jane is the daughter of one of Joyce's music teachers when Joyce was a child. So we immediately had a connection. So after we decided to make RBC our new church home, it was pretty easy to get plugged in. And uh, we became involved with the music ministry here as well. And our involvement grew from there. When we started coming here, uh, we were just starting to build on this campus. In fact, this building had been formed for the foundation. 
Dave drafted me to help him install the sound system here, and we started attending adult Sunday school. Next, I was asked to start substituting for the class we were in, and then I was asked to take the class. Um, We got involved in small group studies, and then I started to lead one of the small groups. In 1991, I was asked to serve as an elder, and I've served almost continuously since then. I stepped down when A.J. was born in 1999, but uh, six months later, I was asked to come back on the board when the pastor at that time, Mike Albin, was called to another church. I was asked to participate on the uh, search committee, and that led to us calling Pastor Matt. I'm currently leading an adult Sunday school class on the Christian worldview. Its purpose is to teach us to apply our Christianity to every area of our lives and to know what we believe and why we believe it. Now, as a teacher, of course, you're going to ask me um, what my life passage is or my life verse. Now, some of you have asked me that before, and see? <laughs> and I've responded with First Chronicles 26.18. You don't need to look it up right now, but it says, At Parbar Westward, four at the causeway and two at Parbar. You can look it up. I actually have a mouse pad with that verse written on it. But really, um, my life passage, the one I continually go back to, is Psalm 1. And I would ask you to please turn there right now. I want to read just the first three verses. Psalm 1, starting with verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. I want to be blessed by God for being a man who delights more and more in his word and in his law. I want to be a man who is blessed for meditating constantly and allowing God's word to govern my thoughts and my actions rather than allowing myself to get caught in a downward spiral of deeper and deeper association with those who don't love, honor, and worship our Lord. One of my favorite people in the Bible is Daniel, a man about whom no corrective or reproachful word is recorded in Scripture. All of his actions were and are characterized as those of a man who delights in the law of the Lord. There's there's an account of Daniel in exile while he's praying for his people Israel for forgiveness. And the angel Gabriel is sent to him. And the first thing he says to him is he calls Daniel a man who is highly esteemed. Now, I'm no Daniel, but I would love to be considered highly esteemed by my God. I would love to be counted as blessed because I delight in the law of the Lord and because I meditate on his law day and night. So thank you very much for letting me introduce myself to you. I'm going to ask Eric Craig if you would come up now. Okay. Um, this is a picture of, uh, this is our picture in the directory. This is, uh, that's me in glasses. <laughs> the pretty one is my wife, Geneva. And that's Wyatt the Wonder Dog, who's my service dog, my 
partner in crime. Um, we've been married now, Geneva and I have, for be 35 years in June, which sounds like a lot, but when you teach my Sunday school class, it's Lilliputian. Um, we have two children. They're each married, and they have between them three. We have three grandsons. They live in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for now. And between visits, uh, we keep in touch by phone and by Skype. How I came to Christ. By the way, this is this is my uh, old style iPad here. So. <laughs> Uh, my best friend in kindergarten, Ken Hendron, was raised in a Christian family, and his mother, Audrey, prayed for me for 10 years before I came to Christ. At 15, I was invited to a prophecy conference by Ken featuring Al Lindsay. Um, I went because, not because of prophecy, but because I knew that there would be a girl there that I wanted to meet. I heard the gospel every night, but back then prophecy conferences were all week long and climaxed on Sunday with uh, Sunday morning service, Sunday school, and Sunday evening service. And uh, so I heard the gospel every night during the week. And on Sunday, I was given a four spiritual law track, and, uh, um, and I transferred my trust to Jesus as my Savior in the back of a car on Sunset Boulevard in 1969. After graduating from UCLA, I planned to go to law school, but the Lord had other plans. So I graduated four years later from Dallas Seminary, where I met the prettiest, most amazing, and talented secretary at the school. That's Geneva. We married and had our son Eric while I was at DTS. Life and ministry at RBC, I pastored three churches over 15 years in Missouri, um, where Kristen was born, in Connecticut, and in Temecula. I have MS. I was diagnosed with MS in uh, uh, 1989, but um, it probably had it for a lot longer than that. And at the end of 1994, after ministering from a wheelchair for three years, I, um, I retired and the church voted itself out of existence. That was Temecula Evangelical Free Church. I know that there are some who remember that. Um, uh, at our, at, we cast around for another church and God opened the door. Uh, Mike Alban was also a Dallas Seminary graduate and we had a a relationship, so we came in early 1995. At RBC, I teach a Sunday school class for adults, the Pathfinders. We are currently in, we meet in the library uh, in the middle service during the 9:30 hour. Um, we're currently in Second Timothy 2, and we have fun verse by verse. And we meet uh, from 9:30 to 10:30, and if you have been missing Sunday school. I would urge you to jump in with us and enjoy it with us. I lead a theology discussion group for men in my home every Tuesday evening at 5.30. I have led and hosted home fellowship groups with Geneva in our home, and I serve as an elder. Occasionally, they let me preach. Usually when everybody's gone, when all the men are gone, the men's (laughs) retreat. 
my favorite Bible verse and why? Well, my favorite books of the Bible are Romans, Matthew, John, 2 Thessalonians, Nehemiah, etc., etc., etc. Years ago, it was the custom of Bible-believing Christians to have pastors and Bible teachers whom they admired sign their Bibles. Does anybody remember that custom? Does somebody? Yes, okay, good. Um, while I was at Dallas Seminary, Dr. Ryrie was there, and he came out at that time with the Ryrie Study Bible. How many of you have Ryrie Study Bibles? Okay, there's a few. Um, so I purchased one, and um, it seemed appropriate since he was the author of the notes, and also he was somebody I admired. I had him sign my Bible, and underneath his signature, he wrote this verse. 2 Corinthians 3.5, and I'd like you to turn there if you would, please. 2 Corinthians 3.5. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves... But our adequacy is from God. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Now, the story is this. When I served as pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Bristol, Connecticut, below the, the stage where the pulpit was and Behind me, there was the uh, the, the uh, organ, the keyboard face toward the back, and then the, the choir sat up there, too, uh, facing the congregation. And so the, the uh, person playing the organ was the choir director. Down below, on the floor of the sanctuary, was centered in the center of the auditorium, there in the sanctuary, there was the communion table. And most of the month, when we weren't having communion, instead uh, there was a Bible, a big, heavy family Bible. You know the kind. It's so big you could hardly lift it. And it was opened, and every Sunday I, I would make sure that it was open to 2 Corinthians 3.5 because I didn't want what was going on in the service when I preached. I didn't want it to be me. I wanted it to be the Lord coming through his word through me to the people. Every Sunday, it changed to a different passage. I don't know what that's all about. But I would turn it back to 2 Corinthians 3, 5 because I was depending on the Lord. I wanted to depend upon the Lord. I wanted to be reminded that I was totally dependent on God uh, in the ministry of the word and for hearts to be impacted and changed. So 2 Corinthians 3.5 is a good reminder that we do what we do and we are responsible to do as well as we can at what we do. But ultimately, anything we do of value is as a result of the Lord working in and through us. Our adequacy is from God. It's a good verse, and I recommend it to you. And who's next? Greg is next. Come on, Greg. Get the microphone here, if you would. 
I'm Greg Kruger, uh, the sinner saved by grace through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I am very blessed to be here this morning to share with you. Uh, <clears throat> when I was a young man, or a young boy, I was raised in a Christian family. I'd like to say at the, the age of five or eight that I came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and have been serving him ever since. However, that's not the case. I was raised in a Christian family. I had all the Christian verbiage down perfectly. Everyone thought that I was a Christian. I could pray with the best of them. I acted like a Christian perfectly. In high school, I was like the prodigal son. I could not wait to pack my bags, load my car, and get out of the house. I wanted away from the Christian rules and regulations. I wanted to be like my friends. I'd walk out of my friends' houses, and they'd be in a huge fight with their drunken father and mother, and they'd, we'd be off to go party or do whatever in the world we were going to do that night. And I couldn't wait. I thought, why couldn't my parents be like that? <laughs> I'd have all the freedom in the world. you know. <laughs> so when I graduated from high school, I packed my bags and got out of Dodge. My mom didn't know I was leaving. My dad didn't know I was leaving. A uh, few weeks before I graduated, my dad told me, these are the rules. And once you're graduated, you go to college, you'll work, or you'll pay. If you don't go to college, you can pay me for staying here. So the weekend after I graduated, I packed my bags and I was gone. Uh, they came home to an empty bedroom. I was no longer there, <laughs> uh, I, which was sad because if hindsight, you know, uh, I had it so easy and so good. In Christ, if I would have just given my heart to him, but no. I had to do my own thing. Like the prodigal son, I wandered, I partied, I played, I frittered my life away until I was 20 years old, sitting in my room, realizing how desperately lonely and empty my life was, knowing Christ died on the cross for my sin, knowing the way that what he had for me, yet living a life of sin completely, dead to Christ, I realized that I needed Jesus in my heart. Nobody had to preach to me. Nobody had to share with me because I'd heard the gospel so many I shared the gospel with people not even knowing him as my Lord and Savior. So I got on my knees and I prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. And what a joy it was. And still, it, oh, there we are. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just saw our picture. <laughs> <laughs> What a joy it is to serve the Lord. Uh, Marty and I married. I was 23 years old, three years after I gave my heart to the Lord. I met her. I was living in a Christian commune in Santa Ana. She was living in a Christian commune in Costa Mesa. Uh, I went over to Costa Mesa to do some work on a, uh, one of the halls that they gathered in because it was falling apart. And in walks this girl and started sharing with me. And it was love at first sight for both of us. Uh, nine months later, we were married, and that was in 1975. And the Lord has blessed us and been so good to us ever since. Ten years ago or a little more, we uh, moved into, or 12 years ago, we moved into uh, Murrieta, started going to different churches. And Tony and Marlene uh, were kind enough to invite us to come to Rancho Baptist Church. However, there was a, uh, beside, uh, they didn't have a pastor, but they wanted us to come anyway. So we came and fell in love with the people here at church and have been here ever since. Uh, I've been involved with, with home, home ministries, home fellowships, with uh, 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 Sunday school, teaching Sunday school for a little while, and uh, just being on the board for the, for the last couple of years has really been a blessing. Um, 
my verse, my kids, <laughs> two kids, Matthew and Sarah, uh, wonderful. Matthew lives in Idaho, uh, loves it out there, is uh, just really, really happy and content. Sarah is here in Murrieta also. She's married Sean. They've given us two great-grandchildren, or not great-grandchildren, two wonderful grandchildren. <laughs> I'm not that old yet. <laughs> Mackenzie is five, and she's just a delight of my heart. And it's Sean. Uh, Sean. <laughs> uh, Luke. <laughs> Luke is ten months old and is finally walking around all the tables and chairs, and we can hardly keep up with him. He's really a lot of fun to try to keep up with. And it's a neat sharing and praying with them and encouraging them in the ways of the Lord. And my prayer is that my daughter's kids will not walk the way that their grandfather walked when he was younger, but that they would serve him all the days of their life. And I'm sorry. (laughs) It's joy (laughs) to stand here with you and to share. And in Matthew uh, 11, verses 28 through 30, if you could turn there with me. I guess these would be my life verses because I got these a long time ago and they've been very, very special to me. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What's been really ministering to me for for quite a while lately is, is uh, in verse 29 where Jesus says, learn from me. It's not learn of me, it's learn from me. He wants to take my hand and and lead me in the ways that he would have me to go, the way he would have us to go. Oh, what a joy. Uh, He says, you will find rest unto your souls. And how can we find rest unto our souls if we're not seeking him, if we're not trusting him, laying our burdens at his feet and trusting him completely? for all that he has for us that he wants to lead us into. Thank you very much. And I guess it's Ralph is next. Well, hi. I'm uh, Ralph Loper. And there's the picture of uh, my wife, Ruth, and our sons, Matthew and Nathaniel. Well, I was born and raised in a Christian family in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm from the South. (laughs) My dad was from Long Island, New York, and was a cost accountant and an elder in the church for many years. So go figure. (laughs) My mom was from South Carolina and a math teacher. So I got math one way or another. I attended a, a Christian high school where Joy Ritterhoff, the founder of Gospel Recordings, uh, she came and she shared about her recording ministry and uh, during one of our chapel services there. And I didn't realize at the time that uh, the Lord would be calling me to work with that mission about 10 years later. <clears throat> I went on to Clemson University in South Carolina and studied accounting And it was at a youth retreat uh, during one of my uh, Christmas breaks. The Lord revealed to me my lost condition without him. So that weekend, at age 20, I asked the Lord 
to forgive me of my sin and to come into my life. And he did. So after graduating from Clemson, I went to a small Bible school in Greenville uh, that encouraged the students to become missionaries. It was there that I learned that the need for an accountant uh, was there out in Los Angeles at Gospel Recordings headquarters. So I came out for a six-month trial. Well, last July, I marked uh, 30 years of working there. So um, once they get you, they got you. (laughs) But it's been rewarding all these years to serve the Lord in that way. When When I first came to Los Angeles, Jean Nolan was one of my co-workers, and she still is. And uh, we work well together. And she invited me to a small church there in, in Los Angeles where she attended. Well, it was there that I met a lovely young lady who had just recently graduated from high school. <coughs> Her name was Ruth. And uh, we got... <coughs> excuse me. And uh, we got married about four years later. We've been married for 26 years now. I uh, served in that church as an elder for almost 20 years. And the Lord, um, the Lord had us uh, wait for about 12 years. We tried to have a family, but it was about 12 years into marriage. And then the Lord blessed us with Matthew and Nathaniel. Well, it was about 10 years ago that Gospel Recordings and its staff moved from the old buildings that we had in Los Angeles to a fresh new start here in Temecula with a a new office building and a new name, Global Recordings Network, or GRN. Our family started attending RBC in October uh, 2002, soon after GRM moved to Temecula. Ruth and I had earnestly asked the Lord to lead us to a solid Bible-believing church with a strong emphasis in world missions. And he certainly answered our prayers by leading us here. We both have served on the RBC missions team And I uh, have served and still serve as the elder responsible for the World Mission Program here since uh, January of 2005. And we are very thankful uh, for RBC (coughs) adopting us back in 2003 as RBC missionaries and uh, with all your prayers and financial support. Thank you. And especially for all your prayers for Ruth when uh, three years ago she was fighting cancer. Praise the Lord. She's cancer-free. Amen. Now, Ruth and I share the, the same life favorite verse in the Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Very familiar verse, I'm sure, to a lot of you. (coughs) That, (coughs) That verse says, But seek first the kingdom of God 
and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. This verse is part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was speaking about not worrying. How many of us worry? Most of us do. We worry about what is going to happen in life. But God says, don't worry. We do not need to worry about the basic needs of life. But uh, put the business of serving the Lord as top priority and doing what is right according to God. And He will make sure all that we, all the necessities that we need will be provided for us to serve Him. I am here to testify of God's wonderful grace and faithfulness to our family to supply our needs over the years as we have served Him according to His will. Now please don't get me wrong. This is not a name it and claim it approach to God. Just saying, oh, if I just claim this or that, God will bless me with everything I want. No. Believe me, our family is not doing what we do for material gain in this world. But it is true that if any of us put the Lord first in our lives and seek to honor and glorify Him in all that we do, then through faith, we don't need to worry about the basic needs of life. God will definitely meet those needs. Well, Ruth and I are looking forward to continuing to serve here with you at RBC. We really love it here. Thank you. Let's see who's next. Okay. Thanks, Ralph. Good morning. My name is Mike Jones, and the lovely lady you'll see in the slide here is my wife, Virginia. We met in the college career department at Pomona First Baptist Church in 1969, and we were married in January of 1970. We have three adult daughters who all serve the Lord in their various ways. Our oldest is Michelle, and then Rebecca and Laura. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior on Palm Sunday, 1959, and I was baptized a week later on Easter. My parents are Christians, and I knew from a very early age that uh, I was a sinner and that I needed forgiveness and that Jesus had died on the cross to provide a way for me to have a relationship with God, and uh, that death on the cross would cleanse me from all my sins and make me right with God if I would trust in Him. And that Palm Sunday, in response to an invitation from our pastor, I went forward and prayed with him to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I thank the Lord that I have uh, had the years uh, that I had growing up at Pomona First Baptist Church, the opportunities I was afforded to be able to go to uh, young peoples and clubs like Awana and uh, to serve in the high school and college career departments, And I'm encouraged today to see that we have those same kind of programs available to our young people uh, here at RBC and the many opportunities that we have here. Um, This is just a side note, but uh, I pastored churches in uh, rural Manitoba and Saskatchewan where uh, 
the mean a- average attendance on Sunday was about 75. And it's very hard to have a lot of programs like we have here with uh, a congregation that size. So I'm glad to see what we have uh, here at RBC. My teen years, uh, like Greg, were not without problems. Uh, by the time I was 14, I had been arrested for Grand Theft Auto twice. I uh, got in trouble at school. I faced the possibility of being taken away from my parents and put into foster care. Uh, several years later, I, uh, after I met Virginia and we got married, we moved out to the San Fernando Valley. And for a period of about three years, we weren't walking with the Lord. But uh, after that time, the Lord brought some people from Grace Community Church, John MacArthur's church, into our lives. And for the first time, we saw some really genuine believers. And uh, through them, both Virginia and I rededicated our lives to the Lord. And we've been walking with the Lord since that time. In 1976, uh, we moved from the San Fernando Valley up to Oregon. And we lived in a small town and became active in a local church. I uh, was involved teaching men's Bible studies and Sunday school classes and working with the youth group. Virginia helped with that, and also she sang uh, solos and performed at church and various churches in our area under Stonecroft Ministries. And during that time, over a period of about seven years, I felt God's calling me into full-time ministry. And uh, with the support of our local church, we moved to Canada to attend Briarcrest Bible College to prepare for ministry. After graduation, I pastored a church. Uh, after a few years there, we returned to the Bible College where Virginia and I served for 12 years. And uh, after that, I pastored another church. And about that time, when I was in my second church, Virginia's mom had a stroke, and her sister had been... Uh, very involved taking care of Virginia's parents for a number of years, and we felt the need to be responsible and move back to California to help with her mom's care. And in 2005, Virginia's mom went to be with the Lord. We've been attending RBC since 2005, and uh, during that time, Virginia and I have worked with Awana. Um, We've had home uh, Bible study groups in our home. I've taught Sunday school classes. I've uh, taught some classes during the summer, Bible study methods, and uh, Jerry Bridges' book, The Pursuit of Holiness, and a few things like that. Occasionally, I substitute for Eric Craig and Pastor Matt, and uh, a few times I've preached here. Next Sunday, I'll be preaching again while all the pastors are at the Shepherds Conference. And a year ago, I accepted a position to serve as an elder, and it's just been a joy to serve you and serve the Lord and to have that ministry. If you turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 19, Job is that book of the Bible that's right before Psalms. So if you go to the middle of your Bible and find Psalms and go back a little bit, you'll find the book of Job. Job chapter 19. Job 19 and looking at verses 25 and 26. Job says, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on the earth. Even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God. Through the eyes of faith, Job was convinced that his Redeemer was alive. He said that even if he were to die, yet from his flesh he would see God. He had a hope in the resurrection. And like Job, I know that my Redeemer lives. 
and I'm absolutely convinced in the death, burial, and resurrection of my Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ. He redeemed and purchased me with his blood. He forgave me all my sins, past, present, and future. He changed me from the inside out from a rebellious young man, hot-tempered. My wife could tell you about that. And uh, it's a surprise to me that I'm even up here talking to you. He changed me from the inside out. He sealed me with his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And I've witnessed the power of the resurrection in Jesus changing lives, healing marriages, delivering people from addiction, delivering people from bondage to Satan for their good and his glory. So I know this morning that my Redeemer lives. Do you? Amen. Sorry, I guess I got ahead of myself. It was Bruce's turn. I'm Bruce Olson, and the shorter one there is Marianne. We've been married for 46 years in June, and I'm the reason you think of old when you think of elder. (laughs) I am the oldest one on there. Uh, I'm semi-retired, but Marianne does uh, income taxes for over 1,000 individuals and companies, so she stays real busy from January through April. We've lived in the Lake Elsinore-Wildemire area since 1976 when we transplanted from Orange County. My path to Jesus began when I was 36 years old. I worked at Ford Aerospace in Newport Beach, and I came from an unchurched and unbelieving home. Uh, my, a neighbor lady, when we were small, asked if she could take my brother and I to Sunday school. So I think it was a Lutheran church, but I don't remember anything about it except a small Bible I still have. So in 1981, uh, I asked my friend, who I knew was a, a religious man, whatever that meant, I didn't know, how I go through reading the Bible, and he made me a copy of Ryrie's Through the Bible in a Year. And he told me years later he didn't expect anything because I was already several weeks behind. But every day at lunch I read, and uh, I caught up, and I continued to read. Sometime in the summer of 81, um, I realized that I was the sinner the Bible was written for, and I had a problem. And evidently from Sunday school and a few other times at church, that I had retained enough that the Holy Spirit convicted me that I needed to have Jesus as my Savior. So I prayed and received Jesus in 86, 36 years old. Um, I love speaking up here. <laughs> uh, Marianne and I came to our RBC in the summer of uh, 92. Uh, our first Sunday here, the pastor was sick, so one of the elders was preaching. While we've been here, we've been involved in several different ministries. I've been on the elder board since uh, 03. I was a treasurer uh, for about a year and a half when, when the books were kept in a book about that thick until Norm Clark came, and I gladly resigned to let him do that work. But now again, Norm is retired, and I'm treasurer again. But, <laughs> but there's four of us doing the job this time, so my job is much easier. I've uh, served in Awana for six or seven years. Uh, as a listener for the middle schoolers and for a historian and uh, helped and did several of the Iwana cars. I helped uh, Joe Ryder build several of his, uh, one of which was a rocket-propelled car that almost caught the carpeting on fire over there. (laughs) And that was the same year I think Nathan had one made out of a broken backhoe tooth, and it weighed about 
40 pounds maybe. It was the, the heaviest. One of my favorite Bible verses is uh, Psalm 19.1. You want to look there? Take less time to read it than to find it. It says, The heavens are telling the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. I love this verse because it tells us how big God is, because the universe is just huge. Um, until the 1920s, they thought those faint spots of light in the sky were just stars. But now we know that many of them are entire galaxies, and a galaxy is made up of, of stars, uh, suns like ours, most of which are much bigger. Uh, the smallest dwarfs maybe have only 10 million stars, and the biggest ones have 100 trillion. 100 trillion is a one followed by 14 zeros. That's a lot of stars. And the current estimates of uh, the number of galaxies are between 100 and 200 uh, billion. So there's 200 billion galaxies, each with trillions of stars. It's just amazing how big the universe is. If you've never seen any Hubble telescope pictures, when you get a chance, uh, Google Hubble telescope and you'll see pictures of these galaxies. Sometimes Pastor Tom leads us in a song called uh, Indescribable. Part of it says, Indescribable, unattainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. That's 200 billion stars in trillions of galaxies. And God not only made every one of them, he named every one of them. He put everyone in their place and keeps them in their places. That's an awesome job for an awesome God. Pastor Matt's up. All right, let's show our appreciation to our elders. I love these men and I appreciate them so much for all their time and dedication and hard work. And there's a lot of stuff they do behind the scenes that none of you know about. And, but I know about it and uh, I just thank the Lord for them. Let's pray and receive this offering. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, your grace in our lives. Thank you for our elders here at the church and how they serve so well. We pray that you protect them and, and uh, guide them, use them for your glory. And for this uh, offering we're about to receive, we just thank you for providing for our church. And uh, we love you and uh, just count it a joy to serve you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.